देखेंगे Slimesters, Brett here. Uh, we're doing another conversation with episode this week around for our minisodes because we had so much fun talking to Jasmine about 90s con that we figured we'd just talk to another one of our fans. This week we'll be talking to Richard Gallagher, who you may know from our Mona's mailbag letters that he's been sending to us uh, over the past couple seasons. And today he's going to talk a little bit with us about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle video games, specifically from the 90s, as well as some reboot ones that came out recently in the late 2010s and early 2020s. So I hope you enjoyed this very candid conversation between me and Richard, and we'll splat you later with more 90s nostalgia content here on SplatTap. Now, on with the show. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. Very busy week so far, but um, I'm happy to be talking about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles with you because this is one of my very first shows that I've ever watched growing up. Me too, man. It came out around the time when I was born, so it's literally the first thing I saw on TV. <laughs> Same here. Do you mind me asking, what year were you born? Uh, 1988. Okay, I was 84. So. Nice, so you're a little bit ahead of me. I was, and I feel like, yeah, right when I was, you know, as early as I can remember, that's like right when the toys came out and the cartoons, and yep. it was just right at that time. Yeah, I remember getting the action figures, like the turtle ones that you can pose, and then like the, the yellow and green van that you can put them all in, and I think April came with that. I had all those too. Awesome. I like I like lived, lived in those toys for the beginning of my childhood. It, those, the cartoons, the video games, I just literally lived inside all of that for years. <laughs> yeah, it, it was a great thing to be exposed to at the time because there was nothing else like it. And it, it really just started out as two guys who were like roommates just coming up together with some silly idea with like a comic and it just took off from there. I remember seeing a documentary, yeah. on it, uh, but I don't remember too many details. I just know that, you know, right with the right timing and the right connections, it, it just became the juggernaut that is today still going <laughs> it's true um i just watched a netflix show i think it's called the toys that made us and they yeah had that's probably where i saw it from yeah i just watched that and they they do go over the whole story about peter laird kevin eastman and you know as you know i actually got to meet kevin eastman a couple times mm -hmm. on that show we did back in the day so um he told the whole story you know as well in person and it was awesome to hear it that's awesome. Yeah, if I can find some clips, I'll um, put a couple in here so people can hear a little bit more detail about it. Peter Laird, the co-creator of the Ninja Turtles, grew up as a huge fan of uh, Jack Kirby. You know, that was both our childhood dream is to be Jack Kirby when we grew up. And when we, you know, got rejection letter after rejection letter after rejection letter, we just said, look, um, there's a lot of independent publishing going on. Why don't we just come up with our own idea, publish it ourselves. And even if we don't sell one single copy, you know, we've still created something we love. We're living in the world that we love so much. We're just telling stories in comic book form. So, uh. yeah. Yeah. Uh, as far as what I'm referring to, the show was called Tonight in San Diego. It was like mm -hmm. a late night talk show that I was part of. I was a musician in the band. But I oh, think nice. all those episodes of him, you know, being a guest are online. So if anybody wanted to look up Tonight in San Diego, I'm sure you can find it. Yeah, so um, tell me about your journey with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles a bit growing up before we get into the video games you mentioned in your uh, previously recorded video. Sure. Um, well, it's funny, I'm not like some huge, you know, 
Well, I guess I am. I like, I'm, I'm a big Turtles fan, but I'm not like, I've just been so much more into music and other things the last, you know, few decades. Mm. Um, but at, when I was a kid, like we said, it, I think it was the first action figures that I ever had was like the Michelangelo, uh, you know, Turtle. I think he was my favorite growing up, but then I had all of them. I had the play sets, I had the blimp. Um, I think there was like some little like sewer toy. Uh, yeah. You can go back and, and see commercials on all those Playmates oh, yeah. toys, but I had those. I loved the cartoons growing up. Um, and then the video games. And like I said, I was obsessed with all that stuff for the first maybe 10 years of, of my childhood. It was like Nintendo, early morning cartoons, um, those toys. Uh, but around junior high, I kind of like fell out of a lot of that stuff. And that's when I started getting more into like skateboarding and music and other things. But um, as I mentioned in that video that I sent you guys, during the pandemic, I bought a Nintendo Switch and just kind of started reconnecting with a lot of things from my childhood, things that I just, you know, forgot about. And uh, yeah, like all these old cartoons and these games started coming up. And it was so cool. It's like, I feel like there was such a gap of decades from when I was into it as a kid and then now but the technology has improved so much since then and all they're like rebooting all these games and all these things i used to love but just now like high def high quality uh like for the switch and and all these new shows so i don't know we kind of jumped back in right at a really good time where they're just kind of rebooting all this stuff for people our age you know yeah we loved it as kids yeah, I'm really thankful that there's like a hardcore fan base who grew up with the series or was inspired by the series and are able to give the love and attention to these reboots that are coming out because it really it really hits us in a special place where you get the feel of of what the original was like, especially if like the older video games like Turtles in Time or you know any of the arcade games that we would play, yet they feel clean, updated, sleek, modern so that the controls are very tight and smooth and it's got like just a better visual aesthetic overall there's more depth to the pixels and the sprite designs and even the animations that it's like a better version of our past in some way that's just honored and respected and i really appreciate moments when reboots whether it's video games tv shows movies you name it really take that time to really just go deeper into the source material understand it and then create something new and beautiful that fans of it growing up and their children can enjoy for future generations yeah, hundred um, percent. I think you see that with a few different kinds of media, but especially video games. And I think we'll probably talk about Shredder's Revenge at some point. Yeah. Um, but I think that game was literally created by people who were kids like us, you know, that now are in these positions of creating these games and these shows, and they really do care about the source material, attention to detail, and you know, I think that's a reflection of that new Mario movie too. Um, how successful it did uh, in the boxes because they really took people that, I think Miyamoto, uh, the guy who created Mario was part of the movie. And again, um, really paying tribute to the source material and not going off in some weird tangent, try, like trying to do some weird story. It's just was about what you loved about it in the first place and just enhancing and, and you know, exploring all those, all those stories and things. Um, I think that's what they did with the, New Shredder's Revenge. Again, that's what they did with the Mario movie. And I, I think it's really awesome that, again, people that are our age that grew up with these things are now the ones creating it. And I think it really shows in yeah. the final product. 
Indeed, yeah, of course there's like a fresh coat of paint on everything as it's like up to 2020 standards, uh, but it still maintains the heart and the spirit of adventure that has been with any of these series we talk about from the beginning when they when they first came into existence. And I think that's, that's the key element that either makes or breaks uh, reboot material that comes out in pop culture these days. Yeah, definitely. I agree. So tell us a little bit about um, Strider's Revenge, and then we can go into the Cowbunga collection, because I know those are two games you were really into uh, when they first came out onto the Switch during the pandemic. Yeah, um, I loved the old, like, beat-em-up style video games. I just remember as a kid going to, like, you know, arcades or different, like, you know, pizza places, and they had their own little arcade in there, and they always had, like, the Simpsons beat-em-ups. Yeah. Um, I forget what some other ones are, but I really always like what stuck out to me was was the Simpsons and the Ninja Turtles beat up games. And I loved how you could play those with friends. I love like co-op games. Like me and my brother, I have a younger brother and um, we used to play video games back in the day. Like we used to love like Donkey Kong Country on Super Nintendo. Yeah, Where you can, you know, play play together, like this two player co-op. And that's what I loved about the beat em ups. Mm-hmm. And then it's just like, you know, full on attack mode just smashing buttons and it's just that you know full on the whole time um and so i loved those growing up i think i had like the old nes uh i forget maybe it was just called the arcade version of the tmnt nes game i did never got turtles in time for super nintendo and now that i look back i don't know how i missed that one somehow that one went under the radar but yeah um when i saw that they were creating shredder's revenge years ago i think this was like the pandemic first started they were just teasing it and i was like man this looks awesome i need to get this um and kind of like you were saying uh just those old games were a little stuttery and they weren't as fluid as the games are now but i feel like they brought that gameplay the the controls and the in the and the fluidness to the to the gameplay of it um and then yeah, it was just it was just an awesome game. It was just an awesome ride. If anything, it could have been a little bit longer. I feel like it was a little short. I wanted more of it, but um, I thought it was an awesome tribute to those old TMNT beat 'em ups, and it was just a lot of fun. That's awesome. I just appreciate that this this is out there on like Steam, Switch, Xbox, PS4, PS5. I think it's on every major platform. Yeah, I think also Netflix is offering some type of free play if by doing something maybe you get with the membership you get you get that game free somehow yeah wow so something to look that's, into. A, that's a cool promo i've never heard of yeah. something like that before i think don't quote me on it but i, I think <laughs> i heard some, something about that gotcha yeah yeah um what do you enjoy most and least about shredder's revenge if you can recall your experience getting through it yeah well right off the bat it was it was too short i feel like I finished it in, you know, an evening and I just wanted it to kind of keep going. That was a little bit of a disappointment. Um, sure. You know, a lot of games, I feel like maybe have this DLC where they might add something to it later. That was really my only gripe with it is it just felt a little short. But aside from that, I just really liked it. I liked how everybody kind of had different movesets. Uh, they had a new characters. You could be April O'Neil, Casey Jones, Splinter. Um, that was pretty cool. Um, maybe I would have liked some more, like, of the Technodrome level. I remember in the old NES game, they had, like, these platforms that would, like, kind of be moving. And it, the the level was a little more um, dynamic. I feel like in this right. one, it, it was 
there wasn't as much of that. Maybe I would have liked a little bit more of that, but overall I'm not picky. I, I just was trying to like get that nostalgia itch scratched a little bit and sure. it just, it did that perfect. It's funny because we talk as if I'm some big video game guy, but I, I don't play that often, but um, when I do, these are the games that I kind of go to. Yeah. I don't blame you. I mean, I am definitely a retro gamer through and through because there's just something magical about them being made back then that it feels like everything was polished and done right and you didn't have to worry about DLC or betas or constant updates. It's just, here's a game, play it and immerse yourself in it. And I think that's just the beauty of the simplicity that comes with the games from the era. And I think some of them are recapturing that at least the best they can uh, with modern day culture. Yeah, for sure. Um, it, I don't know, I sound like the old guy, but like, I'm not great at like the newer video games, like anything first person shooter and believe me, I'm the same. I, I, I like to go from the left side of the screen to the right yep. or, you know, some basic stuff and I'll have a blast doing that. So yeah, well, if you ever game. meet up in person, my friend, we've got to play some Donkey Kong Country together because that and like Crash Bandicoot are my go-to games for platforming adventure games. I was and still am. Um, I'm, I'm such a dork in this way. It's funny. Like I. You know, I'm a musician and do all these other things, but like when I'm in my alone time, I'll be watching like, you know, old like history videos of Donkey Kong Country and how yep, it was made. <laughs> I still, to this, I'm almost 40 and I'm still like captivated by that series and, and the music. And I, again, I just was like thrust into this like world that I lived in as a childhood. Like I feel like I was living in these games and these worlds. And there was like a real cool magic to that that I yeah. kind of missed. Especially. Um, especially with the music by i think what's his name david weiss yeah david weiss that's it um just something very like deep and ambient and it really left an impression with all of his different soundtracks for the levels like i know sticker brush symphony is like everyone's favorite there's like forest interlude um even that's in the beginning yeah like you can always recall those immediately for Donkey Kong Country fans because they have a very distinct sound to it. Aquatic ambience is another one that comes to mind. So yep. uh, I think when these people are making video games back then, you know, that helped resonate into the decades to come, like they are now a, a retro game culture. It's all about forming a very clear identity to immediately put you in the world that you're you're becoming immersed in as the player. Like you don't have to think about, oh, where am I because of this generic jungle track or city track or whatever. It's like, okay, you're right here, you're underwater, you have to avoid the piranhas, you know, get on guard the swordfish and swim on through. Or like, okay, you're in a murky dark forest at night. You have to make your way through without like falling into these pits you may not be able to see. Something about the way that it was composed really give the subtle nuance of the of the level that you're playing that really leaves a lasting impression. And I think, you know, games like this, even with TMNT's iconic theme song that's integrated into the gameplay, it really just helps further cement it in our brains. Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, and, and those songs have really stand the test of time. I think, you know, in some circles, people still regard the Donkey Kong soundtrack as like some of the best video game music Absolutely. to ever, yeah, to ever been created. Um, and it's crazy, like, just watching some of these shows, you learn about the technological, like, disadvantages they had with, I don't know, I don't know much about it, but, like, certain chips can only hold this much memory. Yeah. So they had to create these songs using very limited, you know, tools and instruments, and the way they had to program it out is almost just amazing that they were even able to create these, these ambiences and atmospheres using, like, simple 8-bit, you know, technology. It's crazy. Mind-blowing.
Yeah, even just creating the yeah. sprites by hand, pixel by pixel on a screen with a little mouse clicker, like you wouldn't even think of that today with all the tools available. Yeah, it's insane. But I, I agree, if we ever do meet in person, Donkey Kong yeah. Country trilogy, and uh, it's funny, I got into Crash Bandicoot later. My brother and me had a PlayStation, but I he played it more. I mean, I played PlayStation too, but sure. he was more into Crash Bandicoot, and I got the the remake trilogy when they rebooted yep. it for the Switch. Bandy trilogy. And I was like, this is awesome. But I, I got really into that in 2020 during the pandemic cool. too. Tell me a little bit about the Cowbunga collection. Yeah, um, that one is just more of like a nostalgic throwback. I think if anything, it has all the games made by Konami, as far as I understand, plus um, some like extra material, like drawings and sketches of, you know, levels and character design. And um, it's been a few months since I played that, but I remember like, I just went to the go-to's Turtles in Time, um, like the old NES game. And then I think I tried some of the fighting games, which were just fun to try. But yeah, I think I really, the the, the heart of that game is like Turtles in Time and maybe yeah. the, the old school NES. And then they, they got the other ones just to throw them in there too, like some of the old Game Boy games and stuff. I didn't really mess around with that too much. Um, yeah. I'm sure there's a learning curve playing them. Yeah, you know, I guess a lot of this is like the nostalgic factor. Since I didn't really play those growing up, I didn't have that like sure. connection to stare at like a black and white, you know, Game Boy screen. I'm like, okay, I don't yeah. know, I'm not that into this. But um, yeah. I really did love Turtles in Time and and the uh, old school arcade game. And just to have those on the Switch, you know, I'll pay whatever. Take my 60 bucks for good. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's better than trying to hunt down a, a perfectly good functioning SNES and a cartridge because I know both go for a pretty penny nowadays among the retro collectors community. Yeah, yeah. So overall, between Shredder's Revenge and the Cowbone Collection, um, if you were an old Turtles fan, then you're going you're gonna to be eating good for Christmas. Yeah, awesome. Um, I'm going to throw you a quick curveball because I, I want to try something out. So if you're familiar with our Splat Attack rating system and even Slimesters and Gakoids at home watching this mini-sode, um, we rate things a little bit differently. We rate things on a scale of essentially A to F with like a Splat something uh, name to describe the rating. And then we go above and beyond one, two, three steps um, for like excellent with S, double S, and triple S. If you were to pick uh, one of our rating scale grades to um, you know, pinned down to both the Calabunga collection as a whole and Shredder's Revenge. What what grades would you pick? So again, triple S is the top, F yeah. is the bottom. Yeah. Um, I'd say Shredder's Revenge would be S, mm -hmm. S1. Um, I wouldn't say it's triple S because I feel like it was a little short. Sure. Um, and the Calabunga collection, I'd give it an A just for the amount of content that they give you for the price. Plus those are just iconic, legendary games that in their own right were just, it's an A to me. So that's how I would rate those off the yeah. top of my head. Historical relevance certainly plays a factor in the rating. What about you? What would you rate them? Oh man, I, I mean, my big selling point in addition to nostalgia is like the art because I have art experience. Um, that's right. You know, I really love I really love the look of the 16-bit aesthetic and when they can make it run so smoothly as they did in Shredder's Revenge. Uh, I'm just over the moon with how great it looks. 
I'm going to give it a, an S as well, like a high S, almost double S, but not quite, again, due to the, the shortness of it. I do like the, the variety of characters that you're able to play. It's all like familiar, faithful material from uh, the TMNT uh, universe, especially the early 80s, early, you know, late 80s, early 90s one. Um, I, I like the music, but some points it was like hit and miss for me. Like some of it really pumps you up. Other times it's just like, oh, okay, this is just kind of more generic background music, but it's fine overall. Uh, it doesn't deter me too much. And for a Cowabunga collection, I would mainly just play that for Turtles in Time as like you, I wasn't really interested in the Game Boy games, although I did have experience playing Game Boy games growing up. Uh, it, it requires a special type of patience with those, especially nowadays because of you know, the simple controls, but also difficulty just seeing what you're doing and jumping to. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm basically mostly on Turtles in Time, so I'm gonna give it like, I'm gonna give it a B, plus Factory, just because that would be the only game of the package I'd be playing, and I don't have much nostalgia for the other ones, but I, I'd say overall, they're, they're still worth playing. You know, there's no slouch, at least one playthrough for anyone who loves the series. Yeah, for sure, I agree with all that. And by the cool. way, on the topic of your art, I just want to say um, I love what I've seen that you've put out so far just on different episodes. And the way I came across Splat Attack was actually uh, through the Are You Afraid of the Dark um, reunion. Mm -hmm. I don't know, somehow that just popped up. And I've also, just as much as a, a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle fan, huge Are You Afraid of the Dark fan. It's another one awesome. of those shows that I carry with me, like yeah. Dell to the age of 40. like. I feel like that show just created this sense of like fantasy and wonder that no other show kind of captured. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I love that show and that's where I came across you guys. And I think at the end of the episode, you showed them some of the artwork that you made at the yep. very end of the episode. And uh, I love what you do, so. Thank you. Nice job and keep it up, yeah. Yeah, that's an honor to hear that coming from you who was also like in a similar industry and have similar interests to me. So thank you very much for that. Hopefully, yeah, of course. Um, Hopefully we'll we'll do more Are You Afraid of the Dark stuff because it's also one of my favorite, if not most favorite shows from Nickelodeon. And uh, we'd love to have you back to talk about it with us or just anything else because you're definitely one of like fr our friends of the podcast as we're gaining more traction and meeting more people through the process. Yeah, awesome. No, I'd, I'd love to talk Are You Afraid of the Dark or maybe some other shows. Um, really appreciate what you guys are doing, keeping all this old Nickelodeon uh, magic alive. Um, I don't really see anybody else doing it, so sincerely Thank appreciate you. what you guys do. Keep it up. Thank you. We we intend to go very far with our intentions in the coming years, and as long as we can continue to find Slimesters and Gakoids, who our listeners of our podcast really resonate with our with our bigger dreams and visions, I think it's it's only going to get bigger and better from here, and still retain the love. Uh, and spirit of the source material, very much like the games that we love that we talked about today, still maintain themselves. Yeah, totally. Um, is there anything you'd like to plug before we go today? Yeah, sure. Um, I was saying I'm a musician. Uh, I have my own YouTube channel that I'm trying to create, which is just my name, Richard Galigas. Uh, it's kind of a weird last name. Um, oh, <laughs> oops. I've been saying Galigas this entire time. Maybe I have mild dyslexia. <laughs> Nobody gets it right. Uh, but yeah, I guess, you know, your viewers can maybe find my name written out somewhere, but it's just Richard sure. Galigas. Um, gotcha. And I also tour in a hip hop band called Vocab Company. I've been with them the last 15 years. Um, oh, so awesome. if, you wanna, if you like hip hop, dance music, 
Uh, that's my main group. Bocab <laughs> Company, spelled with K's, on the Bocab Man Company. But feel free to check that music out. And um, yeah, it's pretty, pretty much just what I have go- going on. Nothing too crazy. Wonderful. Well, uh, thank you again, Richard, for stopping by for this uh, conversation with Minisode, which is a new format we're trying out this season. And uh, we'll definitely have you back soon. See you later, Slimesters. Turtle power. Turtle power. All right, guys. Thanks again so much. See you guys.